This is Matt Spiegel, and I can't wait to bring you Season 2 of the PBP, Voices of Baseball. The very best play-by-play voices in the game talk about their craft. It's a job so special that even Joe Buck told us he will probably go back to it. I'm 53, basically 54. I, I think it's too early to say nevers at this point in my life. I think at some point I'll get the itch again. Incredible guests sharing great stories from your favorite teams coming this year. Find us on the Odyssey app or wherever you find podcasts. It's time. Time for silver and black today. To the ground game. Touchdown Las Vegas. We're breaking down the latest Raider news from on and off the field. And bringing you conversations with newsmakers and record breakers. So hold on, Raider Nation. It's time to get get it it on. Here's your host, Scott Goldbranson and Mo Moulton. Raider Nation, it is Tuesday. That means we're one day closer to the Raiders' next matchup. Welcome back to Silver and Black today, an Odyssey original podcast. I am Scott Branson. Make sure you subscribe to the show for us. If you're listening on audio, subscribe on your favorite platform. doesn't matter where you get the show. Do that. Drop us a five-star rating. If you're watching us on YouTube, as many of you do, then go ahead, hit subscription. Yes, but you also have to hit notifications. That way you get a little ding every time we uh, premiere a show and you don't want to miss out on that as well. Now, I don't do this show alone. No, I rely on my good friend, and that is Mr. Mo Moten. He is an NFL writer at Bleacher Report, also the Raiders columnist over at SportsNot.com, and he joins me now. And Mo, okay, so we last talked late into the wee hours of the morning, actually, after the Raiders game into Friday morning, um, after the the Hall of Fame game, uh, and we talked about the offensive line, we talked about all sorts of things, and we needed some more time to digest to watch the rewatch the game again, and we're going to get into that. But first, we're going to start off with the subject I think that is um, getting too much play, uh, and a lot of people are getting uh, emotional about it and all sorts of things, and that of course was the idea that Josh Jacobs could be traded, which is not true, uh, all born out of the fact, Mo, that he played significant snaps in a preseason game. What do you make of this? Why are people misreading the situation with Josh Jacobs? Uh, two things here. Some of the rational people are connecting the dots because the Raiders didn't pick up Josh Jacobs' fifth-year option. They draft Zamir White. So it looks like Josh Jacobs is going to be on his way out and Zamir White is going to be the future at that position. And then you have the people who are out there who are out there for clicks. And, if, and me being in this field, I understand that trade articles generate a lot of clicks. When you have a rumor, people want to read the rumor. What's going on? You know, What's the latest? And people went that route and said, oh, maybe the Raiders are going to trade Josh Jacobs after playing him two series in the Hall of Fame game. And Josh McDaniels, I'm sure you have the sound. Josh McDaniels addressed that in the post game. I wrote an article on Sports Not saying basically – this is standard operation for Josh McDaniels. I believe he did this with the Patriots. All the running backs are are going to play in these preseason games. He just wants to get a, get a look at all those guys. And he also said, again, we're going to have the sound to this, that basically you, there are things that you can do in the game that you cannot simulate at practice for, for the right. running back position. And that's why all his guys got to touch the football. Yeah, this is not, as I said, uh, I think to somebody on Twitter after the game, this is not resort-style training camp. This is not kid gloves. This is not John Gruden. I'm sorry. John Gruden kind of liked to play it up a little bit, you know, sipping margaritas by the pool. That's not what this is. Uh, but it's important, too, because 
the facts are there. They asked the question, the media pool asked the question after the game about why Josh Jacobs played so much. Here's what Josh McDaniel said in case you missed it. If I can get it. There we go. Ready to go, you know, and, uh, you know, we, we made the decisions we thought were the right decisions for our team and um, some based on depth, some based on just wanting to get guys opportunities to, you know, get in there. And I always think it's good for backs to carry the ball in the preseason, you know, and, you know, it, there's a lot of things that happen when you're getting tackled and hit that you can't simulate in practice. So um, I think all our guys had the ball tonight. All our, all our guys either caught it or. Um, or, you know, were handed the ball and had to get, you know, tackled. And, um, you know, we can't really simulate that or rep that in practice. <clears throat> there you go. I mean, it's pretty simple. I don't know why there's so many questions on or, or, or subligate. Here, people are making assumptions based on the fact that the guy played. I've seen fans angry, call McDaniel stupid. I mean, I don't understand what it is that you think's going on here. We know the writing's on the wall. He didn't get a fifth-year option. If you listen to this show, you know Mo has said many times, and I have said as well, we don't believe he'll be in the Raiders uniform next year. So what do you do? For $2.1 million, you have a hell of a bargain. You have a guy who can run the ball. He's a very good player, okay? So, Mo, they got to get him out there. They have to get him game ready. Part of the Raiders' problem has been discipline and focus, and that's what they're having him do. Absolutely. And the other point is that if they had picked up his fifth year option, I believe it would have been about eight million. So I, I don't think Josh Jacobs just wanted to pay that dollar amount for a running back. So you have to look at not just the player, but the money involved. And I think that's what the decision was based on the financials. Not so much of we're just trying to get Josh Jacobs out of the way because people have been asking me over the past few days. Do you think Josh Jacobs is going to be in a Raider uniform next year? And, and we have a whole year. And if we learned anything from last season is that anything can happen between the course of the season and among the course of the season. So let's just wait. But I think with Josh Jacobs, it's all going to come down to dollar amount. If he has, and I use this example, I don't think he's going to run for 1,200 or 1,100 yards. But let's say he runs for 1,100 yards. He's probably going to price his way out of Vegas because he'll probably be, be able to get a better deal with another playoff contending team. Now, if he has an average to below average year and he has to settle for less money, it's a better chance that he comes back with the Raiders next year because, again, as you just mentioned, he is still a pretty good back. I tweeted this. Mm -hmm. I cannot name 12 running backs better than Josh Jacobs right now in this league. Two years over 1,065 yards. He can also get you touchdowns in the red zone if he just stays healthy. Yes, and, and you mentioned it earlier, so I'm going to go on a little bit of a rant here, and that is – we have media, and I say new media mostly, so these are people online, including here on this channel, if you're watching on YouTube. These are good people. They make great content. I don't begrudge anybody, anyone, for making a buck. And if you're driving the algorithms and you're spending the time, and we've seen a lot of content producers who do mostly YouTube. I mean, they're YouTube stars, right? They drive all kinds of watchers, and, and God bless you for doing it, but... They also feed on this stuff because you know what? If you can put into YouTube, Josh Jacobs traded question mark with an image with a thumbnail that calls attention to that. Guess what's going to happen? People are going to click on it. And so, yes, this is what has fostered this. But I'm here to tell you, Mo and I are not YouTube fanatics. And, and you know, we have a little channel here. We do pretty well with it. We're growing. We're fine growing slowly because we're an Odyssey podcast. And that's where our focus is. But I will tell you, fans... Don't just click on everything and think it's true, okay? Remember reliable sources. Remember what logically makes sense for this team. And, Mo, you talked about Zamir White. A lot of fans on that wagon, as they should be. We knew when he was drafted. We talked about it. 
quality young back. He could be a guy who, if he puts in the work, fits in well, especially in this system, he could be a long-term solution as one of the solutions. But again, Mo, this system, remind people about how Josh McDaniels uses his backs because you're not going to have the traditional bell cow uh, uh, running back. Right. You, you may have a feature back that gets 12 to 15 carries per game, but I don't think any running back on this roster this year or next year is going to surpass, you know, 210 carries, may barely get over 200 if that. But, you know, different backs are going to get the football. Three or four guys are going to touch the football. So I wouldn't worry about who's the starter and how many carries they're going to get. It's can the run game be effective with the with the room that you have? And I think, and I said this on Twitter, I think between Josh Jacobs and Zamir White, the Raiders have a really good one-two punch there. So why would you want to trade one of those guys? Keep them both, have a strong running back duo, and then you have Drake and possibly Brandon Bolden to fill in the gaps there. So this is just standard again. This is standard operation for Josh McDaniels. He's gonna he's gonna rotate backs. Different guys are gonna see the football. He may even ride the hot hand in some games where Jameer White may get the most carries one week. Drake may get the most carries another week. Who knows? But that's the that's the of having a good rotation is that you don't have to depend on one guy. So if one guy goes down, you can tighten the ranks and still get spread the ball up between three backs and have a good ground attack. Absolutely. And after watching the game for the second time. Uh, and including the first two quarters a third time, um, I will tell you, Raider fans need to worry about other things. They don't need to worry about running backs, okay? What they need to worry about is the offensive line, okay? We talked about it last time. We said we had to watch it a little more, and we have. Oh, by the way, before I continue, rest of today's show, because we just went, Mo. We went 100 miles an hour from the beginning. On today's show, uh, Josh Kamenite from Raider Dad, an amazing charity, a young charity, and I'm always blown away by how much you and Raider Nation do. This community gets together and does so many wonderful things. It just blows my mind, and Josh is going to be on to talk about Raider Dad in the second segment, and then some guy from Vegas, Kelly Kreiner or somebody like that, he's going to come in and he's going to talk about how I had the best fantasy draft. Uh, for the Silver and Black Today <laughs> Fantasy League. Not really, but close. Um, so we're going to talk about the fantasy stuff at the end of the show, uh, but that's it. But, Mo, as I was making the point, don't worry about running back. Worry about the right side of the offensive line. Okay, we watched the tape. You watched the game again. Uh, Brandon Parker was as bad as I thought he was. Uh, I defended him early in the game. I thought he had some good moments early on but then he just kind of lost it. What was your assessment of him playing on the left side? And by the way, Josh McDaniels, when asked about him playing on the left side, if it had any impact, said in, in, on this team, you're going to have to play multiple positions, so that shouldn't have an impact. Yeah, absolutely, and I wrote about that in my piece on Sports Knot, and I think it was Vic Taper of The Athletic who asked the question. And, and as you said, Josh McDaniels basically said, well, we understand where – he didn't say this, but paraphrasing – yeah, he played. He practiced at right tackle. He played at left tackle, but that shouldn't affect his performance as much as it, as it did mm. on Thursday in Thursday night's game. So he's got he's got to pick it up, or else I just, I originally said that it wouldn't affect his race at right tackle. But I, what I will say is that the Raiders should go out and get a right tackle. I wrote that in the piece on Sports Night that that game, if it highlighted anything negative, it showed that the Raiders definitely need to bring in another tackle, whether that's the guy that's going to compete with Parker and Alex Edwards to start or some veteran insurance, but they need to address that position. They now, may wait until after they make some cuts, but they need to do it. Now, didn't didn't you mention somebody at one time that they should go sign that's still on the street? 
I'm not sure, but I think I think a guy named Daryl <laughs> Williams might be yes. available. But I, really quick, I will say a lot of Raider fans have uh, tweeted at me and said, Daryl Williams signed with the Jacksonville Jaguars. That's the wrong Daryl Williams. That's Daryl Williams with two R's. There are two Daryl Williams. <laughs> Daryl Williams with one R is the, is the guy the Raiders should sign. Daryl yes. Williams with two R's is the guy that signed with the Jacksonville Jaguars. I just want to clear that up. Yes, yes. So so there's no question they need they need the help. And now some of the beat writers, I think, as you mentioned, Vic earlier asking that question, Vic also said, hey, I think you tweeted after the game, it's time for them to go get a veteran. I think it was a story, actually. Um, yeah. And yep. and so so people are seeing that. And it's 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 the one glaring issue on that offense. There's just no question. And so you have to go do it now. Alex Leatherwood was a mixed bag. I thought Alex Leatherwood at times looked good at other times. Couldn't move his feet. His handwork was bad at times. But there were flashes there. Mo, what do you think about his progress? What did you like about what he did against the Jaguars? And what didn't you like? A lot of lot to unpack here. And this is why I don't like to have strong opinions right after the game. I actually watched right. Alex Leatherwood again before I came on the show with you. And I give him a B- minus if I were to grade him. I want to Fair. start with the negative. Fair. Now, now, in fairness, he did have help. There were times where you could see Foster Moreau come in and chip before he runs out on a route, so he did have some help there and pass protection. There are times where it looked like he just went low to cut out a, a defender's legs just to avoid giving up a pressure, so I saw <laughs> that. There were times where he had help with double or maybe triple teams on his side of the line. Now, I will say he was going against Dwayne Smoot, who's no bum, 17 and a half sacks over the last three years, so he had decent competition just wasn't some third string backup he was going against so he had solid competition there on a positive note i will say i think he did really well in run blocking i think his run blocking is excellent except but really good i think that was the key part of his game that i noticed that he either made strides or he's pretty solid he can hold his own as a run blocker in a run game so if anything the raiders Ground attack should be improved if they have Leatherwood out there because he can hold his own in, in that fashion. But again, with the pass protection, I would worry about him against guys like TJ Watt, Cameron Jordan, Joey Bosa, Khalil Mack, guys you're going to see this season. If he's going up against an elite pass rusher, I'm a little worried. But if he's going against an average pass rusher, he can get a little help from Foster Moreau or a chipping tight end, he'll be fine. But I, what I will say is in watching him and watching the game, I thought Jermaine Illuminar did a good job on both yeah. sides of the line. I think if Alex Leatherwood is not the starter, if Brandon Parker is not the starter, I wouldn't mind plugging in Jermaine Illuminar in there because, again, he has played right tackle under Josh McDaniels in New England, so his, his, his position is not foreign to him. He can hold his own there in that, in that spot. Well, and I think that's what we got from the comments both after the game and then in the press conference the day after the game that Josh McDaniels gave to the media was that they're going to play whoever they play. They're not worried about where you're drafted they're not worried about what your name is. They're going to put the best guys out there that they can. And I agree with you about Illuminar. Um, back to back to Leatherwood, though. I mean, at times, Mo, I was I was struck, and maybe I just fixated too much. His handwork, it was like me at the seafood buffet. It was just terrible. It was just, it was choppy, and it was a. I I couldn't understand it, if it was the speed, and he was not. He was trying to catch up, so he was grabbing, um, but it just looked really sloppy, and this really surprised me. And we talked a few weeks ago about all the off work, all the offseason training Leatherwood had done, and that's what worries me the most. Is you know the guy gets beat, or if it's if he's a little slow or something this early in the preseason with this first preseason game, you kind of understand it. But some of the fundamentals with the footwork, with the handwork, just seems to not be there still. 
Yeah, and I go back to the offseason when a Vic Tafer or the Athletic again asked this question about his hand work. Does he need to be more violent with his hands? And he said, I need to know where to put my hands. Right. And as you observe, he still needs work. Then I'm sure they're going to work with him, continue to work with him on that. But it, a fundamental like that, if you can't get that down packed, then you're not going to start at tackle in the NFL because guys are going to be able to key in on that. So we'll see if he can clean that up against the Vikings on Sunday. Um, that's something that I'm going to be looking at. I'm also going to be looking at, are they still going to give him help on his side of the line? Because it, and during the regular season, when you have Darren Waller out there and you want Darren Waller to run a complex route, he may not be able to chip as long as a Foster Moreau in a preseason game. So he's going to be, he's right. going to have to be able to hold his own by himself on an Island before he gets to the regular season. All right. So there you go. What else did you see? What else stuck out in rewatching the tape for me? As well, again, Stidham was really impressed with him. Um, I was the night of the game when we did the post-game show. But in re-watching it, I was just struck by his poise. He obviously knows the offense really well because he spent years in it under under Josh McDaniels. Uh, but, but I really like what I saw out there. He limited the mistakes, too. There was nothing um, close to a mistake that could have created a turnover that you worry about with a backup. What was your take on him when you rewatched the game? Yeah, I think he's he's pretty much put himself in the lead for that primary backup job. I know we both like Nick Mullins because of his experience, but from what I saw in that preseason game, Jared Stern really did well for himself and, and boosted his stock. Back to the offensive line, though. Um, mm. Something that a lot of people aren't talking about. The offensive line didn't have one penalty that game. Not one. And, and Not we, one on we, an offensive lineman. Remember we asked Mostradamus about that before yeah, the game? And, I thought, and you yeah, thought, and oh I yeah, thought it's part of the were, preseason. It's going to be part of the preseason. You're going to get some sloppiness. Now, there was a bumble snap between Nick Mullins and Andre James. That's going to happen. But I think it's encouraging to see that there were no holding and or or false start penalties. Again, we talked about mental errors this season with this coach's staff and Josh McDaniels coming in and making guys run laps. I think that's translated at least first uh, preseason game that they had against the Jacksonville Jaguars. And And McDaniels talked about that after the game, too, because, of course, he said, yeah, there were some good things, some bad things. But he went right to, but this team looked focused. They stayed on task. They knew where they were going. Mm -hmm. And that was the other thing in watching, uh, even in the second half where, where there were more mistakes, um, these guys are all going to where they're supposed to be. I think I mentioned that post game too. That's what impressed me, Mo, was the fact that these guys, you know, under John Gruden, even last year, you saw guys just didn't seem to be in the right spot, right? We saw it a lot with Jonathan Abram. He was in the right spots, didn't always make the right play or the best play, but he was in the spot to make the play, which is the first step. I mean, it's early in the preseason. Did you notice that? Yeah, and I think there's a balance. Um, I think there's two school of thoughts when it comes to the preseason. You rest your starts because you don't want anybody to get hurt, and I think that's the route that John Gruden took, so I understand that. But I think Josh McDaniels looks at it as, look, we have some young guys who could possibly start. They need the reps. They need the experience. They need the snaps so that we're not sloppy come week one, week two, week three. And we don't want to go down one and two, oh, and three, oh, and four. So let's get these guys these snaps. Yes, there's a risk because they can get hurt. But at least if these guys make it out of the exhibition play and get to the regular season, they'll be like, they'll play like well oiled machines. They won't have the mistakes that we would have to work out in a normal preseason game. So I think as long as guys don't get hurt, people won't be calling Josh McDaniels stupid for playing his starters in the preseason. Now, if a guy goes down, he's going to get criticism. I'm sure he's aware of that, but he's doing it his way, and I think it's fine for right now. No doubt. Um, also, I got to give you credit, and, and of course, uh, I, I'm biased because, as I told people the last show, my daughter went to Arizona State. 
Darian Butler uh, led the team in tackles uh, during the game. Looked really good. I watched him on second and third um, time around. And boy, man, I got to give you credit where credit is due. He has been, and now I'm seeing other sites, by the way, pick up on the Darian Butler. So kudos to you, Mo. But man, this kid really, really shows out well. And I think they're going to need him. So it's it's a big, big get. And you talk about draft gems, uh, but you talk about an undrafted guy, right? The Raiders had trouble drafting people in high rounds the last few years. Now they get an undrafted guy. To me, where you look at him and how he played, even in this it's first game, I understand it. You look at him and you're like, how did this guy not get drafted? Yeah, I think it goes back to what he did before his last year at Arizona State. I wrote about this plenty of times. I believe he dropped 10 to 15 pounds. A lot lighter, of course. Some people say he undersized because I believe he's barely six feet tall, 220-something pounds. But it allows him to move around the field and be quick to the football, as you saw on, on tape against uh, the Jacksonville Jaguars on Thursday. And that's, that was the, what I keyed in on a lot of my columns with him is that yeah, his first few years in Arizona State didn't really stand out, but that last year when he shed some weight, he looked like a different player, and I think that's going to help him get on the roster again because if you can dart to the football and be in on all the action, that's going to get you a spot on special teams. Now, it does help him that Micah Kaiser is on IR, mm -hmm. so now there's a, there's a free spot open. You can get in over Kenny Young, who hasn't played a lot of special teams in recent years, and get behind Jayon Brown, Devon Diablo, and Denzel Perryman to get a spot at the linebacker position. So I think it's 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 his for the taking. If he continues to show out, I think he makes a 50-man roster. There you go. I'm thinking he will, too. Well, that's the fastest 20 minutes in Raider Nation right there as Mo and I go through kind of our uh, Josh Jacobs rants and a little bit of revisiting the preseason game against the Jaguars and our takeaways on the offensive line. We are going to step aside for a break. When we come back from that break, we're going to talk to Josh, Josh Kamenite from Raider Dad. So don't go anywhere. You're listening to Silver and Black today, an Odyssey original podcast. Don't go anywhere, Raider Nation. <laughs> 